The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Welcome to Talent Talk Asia. I'm joined by Dan Warwick, Managing Director of Eames Consulting Group Singapore, who's been recruiting for 23 years and still has the same passion that he had when he first started. He'll be sharing how he's managed to keep that fire burning in himself, as well as others to create a successful, passionate and sustainable recruitment business in Singapore. His share is highs and lows of initiating a transformation program, what it takes to be a truly fully fledged recruitment consultant in Singapore that clients are craving for, and how to continue evolving both personally and professionally as a leader. He'll also touch upon his strategy in leading the business through the unsettling times due to the outbreak of COVID-19. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm really well. So we are doing a podcast um, interview via Zoom today. Um, it is it is a bit of the future of, of uh, podcasts. I'm not doing a lot of face-to-face at the moment for obvious reasons being based in Singapore. So Dan, I'm really keen for you to just to introduce to all the listeners out there a little bit more about you, your background for those that aren't so familiar with you. So I'm going to throw it over to you to, to kick off. So yeah, um Daniel Warwick, I'm the MD of Eames uh, Consulting here in Singapore. Uh, I've been with the business for nine years now, Mm -hmm. uh, a recruitment career over 23 years, predominantly in the UK and Asia. That's a long time. Yeah, exactly. Over half of my life now. (laughs) That's quite scary. (laughs) Yeah, it is, but uh, it's been rewarding along the way. My background predominantly has always been technology and change. That's Mm -hmm. been my passion within the industry. Um, and nine years ago, I wanted to make a move to, I guess, broaden my skills and experience and, and join Deans. Okay. And so, what's, what, I mean, you've been in it for 23 years. Um, you know, what's, what's tended to sort of motivate you along the way to keep you, you know, you haven't moved out outside of recruitment, you've stayed within that career. So, what is it that kind of gets you up in the morning? I think when you, you know, I think everybody could admit, anybody in recruitment knows that it can be one of the, the best jobs in the world and the worst jobs in the world within the space of five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Um, but, you know, we have a duty to candidates, you have a duty to clients, you have a duty to employees. And as part of that, it's really about going out there and making a difference. You know, we're in a people industry, we're in a relationship driven industry, mm. and you have a real chance to change something. Um, you know, you can get amongst the business and really help them grow. You can change somebody's life and, uh, you know, make a huge impact on their personal situation and their family life by putting them into something that's rewarding for them. 
So as long as you remember that, that you can do it day in, day out, then that yeah. just keeps driving me and seeing people grow within the business as well. Had you always thought that you were going to stay in recruitment though? The early days, was this just kind of a bit of a stopgap? Um, but, you know, so talk me through what you were looking at in terms of your career. I, I got into recruitment. My, my background at university was, was technology and I ended up in a, in a temp role for, for a number of different reasons where it was based on closing, closing deals effectively because we're capable of wireless. Today, all the contracts used to make sure all the equipment where it was where it was meant to be basically saving the company millions and millions of, of pounds at the time. Um, and I was closing 30 a week and I was only targeted to do 50 and it wasn't a commission paced job. So I thought, well, maybe I should make a move into something that, that, that does that, put IT together with it and, and recruitment was the ideal path. So I don't think I'd set out to go, right, I'm going to do IT recruitment for, for the rest of my career. Um, again, I think I've always had this belief is once you hit that, kind of five-year window in recruitment, get mm. kind of stuck in it. You know, that is going to be yeah. a good part of your career. Um, but I always wanted to progress. I always wanted to build something. I always wanted to, you know, to be involved in management. And it was able to tick the boxes all the way along. And, you know, I'm still here. And so your role at the moment within, within Eames, talk, talk me through about the company, um, the sort of the structure, your areas of specialization for those that aren't so familiar with you guys. Yeah, so uh, business has its foundations in the UK. Um, okay. We've been here in Singapore coming up to 10 years. We'll have our 10th mm. birthday uh, in April. Mid to senior level hiring. Uh, traditionally, we were always uh, banking and insurance as uh, mm. professional services. Probably 18 months, two years ago, we moved and pushed more effort into to pushing our technology brand. So therefore, we became banking, insurance and technology growing markets and, and the changes going on in the world. But within those various divisions, there would be deep specialization. So uh, broken claims underwriting, actuarial, risk audit compliance, front office, technology change. Um, probably missed something there knowing me. It's a bit early in just, the morning. As, yeah, I know it's a bit early in the morning. Is it, is it just permanent recruitment or are you doing, doing contract as well? Yeah, as it stands as today in Singapore, we are 99% a permanent business. Okay. Will that change at all, do you think, in the future, especially with the way the market's kind of going at the moment? Well, I mean, we, I think we're going to go on to talk about some of the changes that we have made. I mean, we've got bigger plans and, and, and bigger strategic changes that I was hoping to kick off this year that maybe I, I can't go into on this conversation, but yeah, sure. it's about evolving as a solutions-based mm. organisation in summary. You know, the, the, there's no doubt the world is getting smaller and still getting smaller. Um, Asia is getting smaller and, and pockets certain countries are working a lot more closely together. Mm. What we have to look to do is to become a partner to those clients that exist and actually then be able to offer them more than one, just, just one service. You know, if you've yeah. got contingent recruitment and that's all you've got available to them, you're not able to maximize that relationship. So it's Absolutely. really about taking forward to the next stage and saying, yeah. hey, look, what can we do for you? Here is yeah. the best solution. Yeah. Not is our only solution. Can we do it for you? Yeah, no, totally appreciate. It. We'll, we'll get onto that in a second in terms of those sort of those sort of tra tra transformation that you've been doing within the company. Now, you said you've been obviously in the recruitment area for the last twenty three years. I'd imagine that you've experienced the GFC, the SARS, the nine eleven. God, there's probably others that I can't even remember this early in the morning. But and obviously now with COVID nineteen. So talk me through. Um, 
you know, what you're doing currently, I suppose, I mean, you know, this is a very sort of topical conversation. Um, You know, what are you doing differently? What's happening in your end in regards to the, um, you know, it's not just COVID-19. It's obviously a a bit of a pending recession that that, that people are also thinking is around the corner. Talk me through what what sort of changes you've had to do internally to kind of, um, or even, you know, the the impact to clients as well. I think as you uh, as you come into these times and and, and you approach them, um, you know they do throw up slightly different challenges that you may well face on a day to day basis. But ultimately, mm. you know the job doesn't change. It's it's relationships, it's people, it's advice, it's looking for opportunities. So, you know, I've always had a, an approach through every single time that this is, has happened. Is you know, the market is what the market is. You can't change it. No. You know, you're only able to do what you actually can physically control. Yeah. Now, that might not be an ability to go out and pick up five jobs in a week, but you can talk to your clients to see if there's anything you can do to help, any advice, any sharing of information. So it's really just encouraging people to, to get tighter on that. You know, The push from our perspective is to be continuing and talking to who we know in the market and building that network and really getting as much information flowing so that we can we can be there as a sounding board we can offer the right advice and when things mm. do turn that we're obviously well positioned to, to, mm. to be able to work with them now we do have a work from home situation um quite surprisingly you know, most people actually want to be in the office. Um, yeah, everyone misses the banter. I was on a call to someone yesterday. Said I just miss the banter in the office, like being at home with like mum hovering around. It's just not fun. Of course, no challenge, but I mean, thankfully we've got enough room in our office. We're able to spread it out enough. So you know, okay. Choose. You know, we will follow yeah. the government's guidelines. Their health is the most important, but we yeah. can have half the company in, half the company at home. So what you're doing, you're just sort of rotating it, having a few people coming in and then stay at home and rotating it. Is that what you're doing? We'll, we'll, we'll play it by, I guess we'll play it by ear as, the, as, yeah. as we do what we're told to do um, and just you know make sure that everybody feels comfortable that, that it's their decision to a point. You know, We're not going to break any rules. We're not going to have an office full of people and everybody sat. No, no, absolutely not. Because it's, it's, you know, their health is their interest. And I know some people may feel uncomfortable thinking, oh, well, I'm going to work from home. And it's like, no, not at all. You know, you're you're not being judged. You're not being judged any differently. Um, But I guess it's, you know, in in terms of of looking at changes, it's just a real good chance to, to take stock of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve. You can have a good inward look at the the organization you can reflect on what you've been doing over previous years you can reflect on where you want to be you know two three four five years from now and it, it, it just really is a good chance to reset refocus yeah back on the same page yeah and talk to people you know i think there's uh i think we all know our industry that you know at times you can kind of things are going well is when people aren't really looking at what's happening but when it starts and you have another deeper look and mm. you know, it's, it, it's a good chance for that restock and that's really what we're doing making sure we're in the right markets making sure our systems work the right way that we're invested in people that we've got everybody that's um, you know in the trenches at the moment with our tin hats on how are you driving productivity when people are working from home so we've uh, we're looking at, at that at the moment, um, you know, one of the things you may touch on this, uh, I think probably in, maybe we talk about culture of the business. So mm. I can answer that is that we've always had this this view of 
you know, we're an experienced bunch of people. We're an experienced, you know, business with with lots of skills and experience in our company. Mm. You know, not necessarily driving hard on KPIs. You must send twenty CVs. You must do. You must do. Um, but in essence, what we had to do is really look down at the behaviours that lead into all of those things. What is mm-hmm. it? Go and do. How can we get that information flowing? You know, you can't tell somebody to do something that's out of their control. So really, step back to basics, just to make sure that we are engaging and we're not letting candidates drop off our radar. Or we're not encouraging um, clients to to drop off our radar. That we're keeping you know clear communication lines. Mm-hmm. Um, the managers have you know morning nine a.m. video calls with their teams. They okay. chat. They're going to do. Great. For the day, you know, set an expectation of what's going to happen, any help, mm-hmm. you know, and it's working, it's great. You know, I think technology has advanced now, connections are so strong. Yeah. In yeah. That. And, you know, in, in many respects, you know, when I know that I've worked a morning or an afternoon at home, it's given me that headspace that I need to do my job better. Yeah. And now we're seeing that work with other people. And once you've got through the adjustment of them going, I'm at home. This is a bit weird, you know. You yeah, can yeah. Start to, they start to work, you know, work in a good way. So, yeah, we, you know, we will look at who we're talking to. We will look at, uh, you know, information flowing on who people are targeting. But that's on as managers that enables us to make sure that other people are following that up, that are looking at those same organisations that are not missing out on information. So, on one hand, it, it, we're we're looking at more data, if you like. But yeah. it's not to beat people over with the head. It's actually to make sure as an organization we're fully linked up, that we're maximizing that sharing of that information to give everybody a fair opportunity. So just so a couple of questions off that. In terms of the, the data side, are you a leader that tends to look at the data anyway in terms of sort of the metrics or the, you know, is that something that you've always fallen on to? I mean, I, I'm a complete KPI dragon. I'm quite happy to say that I was that person. Um, what's your style and has it changed with what's happening currently? Um, I'm, you know, for me, me, KPIs are always important. They're mm-hmm. one of the most important things, you know, doing a deal is a KPI, making one phone call is a KPI. Absolutely. You know, it's a measurement of what you're doing. If you don't do them, you're not going to make money. You know, if you're not talking to people, guess what? You're not going to make money in this mm-hmm. industry. Um, but I'm much more of a freak, if you like. Some people might call it a freak when it comes to, to ratios. You know, that's fine. But I love ratios. So it's the quality around those, about those yes. metrics. Yeah. And you're able to look at, just look at numbers and look at patterns and say, there's your problem. That's what's going wrong on your desk. Yeah. Work with you to help change that and evolve mm-hmm. it and move it forward. So I haven't lost that aspect of it. I guess what we are doing more and, 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 and making sure is that, that we're enabling people to know how to get the most out of the system, to utilize that information that they've got, which are things that we can measure, you know, number of phone calls and the quality of that data that we're getting mm-hmm. from that phone call. Then what are we doing with that phone call? Um, we're probably being a bit tighter on that, really, though, to focus it from a, from a development perspective and from a learning perspective. And, you know, you, you may have seen, or you probably would have seen recently, that we actually hired somebody in build out uh, a learning and development capability in-house in Singapore so it's all yeah. happening for us at the you know it's a 
key time having somebody in to come and do that for us as well. And what's that going to look like for you guys when you say someone in-house to do that? Is that what areas is, do you want that person to be focusing on for, you know, what areas do you feel that there are skill gaps, I suppose, is my question. Yeah, so, I mean, if I go back to the point that I, I, I touched on in terms of um, as being kind of a, a group of experienced recruitment consultants, mm. um, what that can be, I mean, one, one term I always use, and it's probably the most overused, is about, people's weaknesses being overplayed strengths mm. and if you know go back as an organization that's been here for 10 years you continue to hire experienced people you continue to have people that stay within the business for a number of years you don't get that freshness and those ideas coming in probably that you would and each year you go on you've still got the same people who know their market who know every candidate already so you know, if you look at how they operate, they probably operate somebody to very differently to somebody two or three years into their career um, mm-hmm. who needs to build a market and build a network. So when new people have joined, one of the challenges has been for us is them to kind of look around them and see these people billing very successfully. Mm-hmm. I go, they never really seem to be making many phone calls or, you know, they're, they're not really yeah. at their desk a lot of the time. Yeah. And that is something that... Uh, maybe two years ago, 18 months ago, that we realized that I wanted to change me, what I wanted to be able to enthusiasm. I don't want to get away from being, you know, high touch, professional, you know, not just throwing CVs out the door, mm-hmm. but be able now to build a real true EAMS identity and EAMS consultant. So we'll do that through the use of an academy, bringing in trainees and developing mm-hmm. Got it. I mean, Alexa, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because everyone comes at different levels and they want, they need different things, whether that's more consultancy experience or if they're taking more of a candidate role, how they're using their influence and how they manage that process. Everyone's at different levels. So I think it's great to have that investment in some in, in someone to be focusing on that. And it's it's also then to, to look at what we've got at every grade within the business. You know, mm-hmm. for me, the future and, and, and how I see the organization is very much having individuals get an experience from the moment they walk through that door to the moment that they decide to leave and it might not be about developing them in recruitment skills now, yeah. i know people that work here who want to run their own business but not even in recruitment so how do we keep them engaged in, in doing the recruitment job while actually giving them the building of these skills that are going to help yeah. them in a different career. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, I always I always found when I first started doing the career subject, I thought it would just be all recruitment training that I'd be doing for recruitment firms. And it was, it was actually the complete opposite. So there were so many training courses that I'd written that were just never used, like interview skills, which it just wasn't used. It was, you know, so it's it, it's more the, um, you know, it's the empathy, it's the influencing, um, you know, it, it's the leadership. So it's completely different. It's the skills, life skills that you're going to bring to any career that you bring um and i think there's also more buy-in for those learners because they see that they can use that throughout their whole professional career but also their personal life as well um we are one person and it's you know you've got to be able to incorporate all of those learnings in everything you do in your life so i think it's a i think it's a great start to be to be doing that yeah i mean and and the ideal that we'll have is that real sort of end-to-end process you know everything is connected learning and learning and development Mm -hmm. our benefits how we manage process how we manage performance bringing it into one fully linked um, scheme if you like or process ensuring everybody has that that chance to put their hand up in the air i mean i think one thing i've 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 noticed over the probably the last few years is the Mm -hmm. relationship between manager and consultant in some ways has become less personal 
And over the years, I always used to know exactly everything about someone's personal life going on, any challenges that they had, things that were outside of work. And that was the one-to-ones, you know. Yeah. Really easy. You can deal yeah. with that in a few minutes. Um, but I think as as the world has evolved, as, as people become more reliant on technology, there's, there's an element they're not as open as they yeah. were. So yeah. the employee-employer relationship has become a bit more formal. And what this enables us to do is from a training perspective, you have a different set of eyes, somebody that's not a direct manager, mm, that mm. therefore is able to, to share some views and some ideas without the individual feeling, hey, well, I may be saying the wrong thing here because I'm telling my boss I'm struggling. Yeah. And it's, just, it's just getting that right to make sure people feel comfortable so that you really yeah. give them the best chance to be successful. I love it. I love it. Anything to do with the whole learning development, you know that I'm going to love that. Um, I want to. I want to talk about you as a leader because there's quite a lot of people yeah. that listen to the podcast that are emerging leaders. It might be someone that's got a couple of people under them that's on that track to um, take on more responsibilities. Um, I'm keen to know what's your biggest failures as a leader. I love the juicy stuff. Um, you know, if you could look back and change the clock, what would it be? What would you do differently, and why? You no, know, I'd. I'd love to think it was one big thing that sticks out in my mind um, not everything has gone well all of the time and I'm sure it I'm sure <laughs> the time when it doesn't in the future yeah. um, but in, in really looking at the answer to that I guess it's probably the things that I let happen the most consistently that I would look back as not necessarily a failure but something that I really focus on avoiding now and I think as you, you move into, a, as you get into management, as you move into management, um, maybe more so when you are, uh, I guess, a smaller regional office, if you like, and you're away from head office, you're away yeah. from, you know, your management. Mm. You are, in many respects, you are, I guess, you're on your own to make those decisions. You sit there and you think about what are you going to do? What are your ideas going to be? have an argument with yourself you always win so you're always able to implement what you want to put in <laughs> um, <laughs> which it, which is a big help but you can i guess get quite myopic in what you're trying to do so i mean the real things that i've all that i've learned are you know look for counsel i mean look for somebody yeah. who can be a, a you know a mentor to you or you know a sounding post that, that's outside of your industry yeah who have you who do you who have you tended to um you know reach out to they can't, don't have to name the person, but there's a number of people that I know, you know, on a, on a social level who mm. are in various different industries and various mm. levels, and you know, it's just about sharing sharing some common pains. Yeah. And you know, if you're not able to, to to have those conversations, it doesn't really put you on a. I guess you you're not on a level field. You you know, you're not balanced as much as you want to do. So it's about just making sure you you, you have a. a an outreach that might not be within your business. So question on that, when you go and do an outreach, because this is, you know, are you going to someone or people that are very different thinking, different mindsets, perspectives in yourself? Because sometimes we, we tend to go to the people that we know are going to agree with us. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Yeah, well, if you do that, you're just going to get the same answer. I mean, if you're yeah. looking for somebody to tell you you're making the right decision, then you're looking for the wrong people, you know, yeah. you need someone to, to challenge. 
Um, you know, I try to avoid talking about work with my wife as much as I possibly can. Um, and I know in some people, and I know that is the relationship, that is the dynamic. Yeah. They get home from work, they put their work to rights, and then that's it, let's have dinner and you know, get on with the rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. But I think it's important that you have a difference of opinion. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just the same. There's no point in really going and looking for that. Yeah. So one of the points is, is, is very much just to, just to seek that counsel. Yeah, um, I love that. And the other point is to remember that you're not Superman. Mm. It's, you know, you can, you know, this it's job can take, it can take a lot of your time. You know, I, um, I've at times, you know, worked some ridiculously stupid hours, which I'm absolutely mm. fine with, and I quite enjoy that. Mm. It's only so long that you can do it for, and it's really yeah. that you have that work-life balance that you don't forget to take time out for yourself, mm. mental health, get a chance to take yourself away from your desk away from people get some clarity back into what you're yeah doing. and I, th I think also most importantly now because I think there is going to be more pressure on anyone that does a sales job it's just you know it's it's there's always that tendency to think that you need to be doing you know longer hours we all know it's about quality but you know we also know that there are there, there are going to be some shifts in behavior and, and activities to get through this storm so I, I agree with you, the whole balancing in terms of being able to take time out. What, what have you tended to find has worked for you when you take that time out? What does it look like? Um, for me, it's, it, it's very much, it's gym, it's exercise. Right. Um, it's, you know, is this why you've lost loads of weight? Is, are you, is this like a new, you look completely different than when I caught up with you a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, well, this is all, been, I guess, part and parcel of the journey that, 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 that I've been on. It was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd got to a point where I wasn't living particularly health, health or yeah. healthy lifestyle. Okay. Um, you know, every day was merging into another and uh, you've just kind of caught in that, that that cycle of getting into work, doing what you need to. So what shifted then? What was the point that you just went, you know, was it a, a, a certain moment or was it an escalation of things? Like what changed? I had a kidney stone, things that I needed to go through, which I won't share in detail on here. <laughs> no, please don't. I've never breakfast yet. I would never wish on my worst enemy and, okay. and realise at that point, hey, you know, get control. You're, you're working too hard. You're pushing yourself too hard. You're pushing your body okay. too hard. And then, yeah, then uh, I stepped back, um, signed up with a, a local gym here on a transformation piece and, yeah, you know, lost 20 kg. And, uh, wow, is it 20 kgs? Oh, my gosh, that is a hell of a lot. Wow. And how have you kept that? How have you kept that as part of your life now then? Because obviously you've kept that weight off. So I train on my own and okay. uh, make sure that I, I have that time. You know, I'm, mm. I'm not somebody who likes, especially now, likes being in crowds anyway. So you know, I'm, I'm an early riser. I'm generally in the office from, from 6, 6.30 in the morning, most mornings. Um, but I'm, <laughs> That's really early. I thought I was early person, but... I don't feel bad at going at, you know, 11 o'clock or at 2 o'clock. I'll make sure I can go, go to the gym, get an hour at the gym, clear my hair. Okay. I'm back on top of everything, refocused for what I need to do. How do you advocate that with your people then? Um, how is does that come through in terms of your leadership style to the to the people below you? Um, it, it's it's maybe a point that will touch into it. You know, the job that I do is very different to ninety nine percent of the of the team here, and ultimately, we want an environment where people have that flexibility mm. and. You know, it's always the same case. If you know that you're working hard enough, if you are pushing hard enough and you're doing the job that needs to be done, 
then you know yes let's let's utilize some flexibility let's try and find a way that we can make it work for you um i think unfortunately in some whether whether the challenges comes is in a sales role you know am i talking old school here probably but you know there are certain hours during a day where it's more effective to get hold of people to be doing certain activities yeah, no so, absolutely Generally, therefore, it's harder to let everybody go off at two o'clock because that is a time where they really can be catching people who aren't on their lunch or back at their desk. Yeah. So, yeah, be sensible about it. Yeah, it does depend on the individual, though, doesn't it? I think if you've got someone, it generally is a is already worked out their time schedule and they they make money, they know what they're doing. You know that they've already managed that. It's just generally sometimes it can be sort of junior recruiters that haven't quite found their groove yet. Yeah, I mean, I think you, it, it's it's hard to try and get the right line. I mean, you you earn flexibility. I mean, you yeah. do. You, know, you, yeah. you do need to. And, you know, if you're struggling and, and you've got issues with your work, yes, you know, we maybe need you to take some time out. But you should be coming to people to talk about that and how you can yeah. doing and work with it than, than vanishing for you know an hour and a half no i i totally get that um so you mentioned so going back to that question you you, you mentioned about you know um seeking counsel which i absolutely love and i encourage everyone to whether it's internally or family or people even clients you know i've got some recruitment firms that encourage their um high performers to be reaching out and having mentors with clients that they that they respect um which i which i love um then you mentioned balance mental health what else would you say um, as you know has, has sort of helped you be be the leader that you are? Um, I think you do have to be firm but fair. I think mm-hmm. that is important. Um, and what I mean by I mean that doesn't mean you have to be an ogre or, or aggressive in it. I mean people mm-hmm. do look to leaders to make that decision. So you know I think if I look at my journey, you go through periods where you're developing managers and you want them to be accountable and you want yeah. them to work. So you, you know you delegate. But then typically in human nature, you maybe delegate a little bit much and then you have to yeah. pull that back in and then yeah. take more control. There isn't, you know, I don't think there is one set rule. It's, it's, mm. it's everybody's, own, everybody's own personal journey that, that, that you go on. Um, but it's being, be confident in your decisions. You know, don't bounce and change your mind on a regular basis. You've got to stand by something that you believe in and if you believe that it is right stand by it seek counsel talk to your team to make sure that they understand and they're on the same path um just don't be making it as if it's a rash decision or it's a yeah. because that creates uncertainty and you know if even if it's the wrong decision if you believe it and everybody else is believing it behind you you're probably going to be and still be in a strong position um mm. yeah. mm. but on the same token though don't be don't um don't be an individual that doesn't put their hand up in the air and go, I, you know, I got that one wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's also important to have that humility. And if you yeah. have that humility, you just become a, a bit of a robot. And, yeah. No, I think, that's, I think that's really good advice for people that are listening. What's, what surprised you most about yourself as a leader? I think it's, a, it's been an ability to bounce between looking up and strategic and then looking down and getting in the roots when I need to. Mm, okay, going in between, yeah. You know, if I look at the, you know, which, is, which isn't in an ideal situation in its own right, you know, you can't be a distraction from what you're trying to achieve, but I think recent events have shown what's needed to be done. You know, if I look at where we were heading this year, the plans that we had, I was gonna remodel the office, we were gonna have 
an ability to actually double our headcount this year um, and really put in some strong plans. And then all of a sudden, the next situation is back on the phones, I need to get some deals over the line. Let's make sure we've got yeah. revenue coming in and we're focused on yeah. what we're doing today. And I think that's probably been the bit that, that, that was a surprise. You know, it's like I have, I can switch one head on and switch the other one off and, yeah. and then get the balance right when I need to. When do you know that that balance is right to be looking strategically again? <laughs> I think it's it, it's not going to go away. I've still got to have an eye on the future at the moment. Mm. And that's an important part. If we, mm. again, if we, if we look at just today and think, right, let's just get money on the board, we're going to lose yeah. the direction of what we're trying now, I don't want a business where people are just thinking about their next deal. So you get into that transaction way of working. You've got to have a, we've got to have a vision. We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a direction. So you've still got to keep that going. Mm. Those aspects ticking over, that it's all being formulated. You're doing, the, you're doing what you need to to keep those thoughts in place, but you're utilizing today to work towards that in the most effective way. How are you developing that futuristic, that visionary, that strategic mindset? Because some people have it and some others don't in terms of looking to the future. How are you developing that in your leaders? Because I appreciate it can't all come from yourself. Um, I think if, if I think about this business is, is, is probably the best way to kind of, of look at it. And again, maybe this is one of the cycles of recruitment and it happens to everybody else that's out there listening and they've had the same emotions and the you know, the same roller coaster that you go through. As a business, we are very much uh, have an entrepreneurial environment. And okay. if we want to build something, we will create that for them. I think in, in better markets, in stronger markets that exist, what, what happens in the industry is that you get very much transactional-based recruitment happening. People forget why they're doing it, and it becomes a case and um, not speaking for the industry as a whole, but you know there are people in this industry who will spend all day on LinkedIn, for example. They'll yeah. send out a load of messages. Yeah. What have you done today? I've been, Robotics, I've been sourcing. Yeah. You've sent out 50 messages. That isn't. And, and, and what that is doing is it's kind of making just, just recruitment, painting by numbers, going through a motion. Mm. And in order to get to the future and where you want to be, we have to be something that is constantly looking at what we are. You know, how, how actually do you re-engineer re an industry that is based on picking up a job and filling it with the candidate? I mean, that's not changed for... And the face-to-face -face element as well. It's not moved, in, I guess, in terms of what we have to do. It moved very much in, in a number of years. So you have to look at where the world is moving, what the demands are going to be. There is no doubt that part of our job will be automated. There will not be a need. You know, increasing businesses recruiting on their own, um, they're able to do those very quick scans, the market. You know, what they can't do is build relationships over a number of years, know that person, that person that might not quite fit the mold, but educate the client on what's going to happen and who the market is or who that individual is before the roles come to market and therefore put them in. So. What we, what we look to do is to really create uh, an idea of, well, what, what do you want to do? What is your career? What are the things that you're looking to try and do? Well, not here's a blank checkbook, but let's look yeah. at doing that. Let's throw those ideas into the pot and really come up with something that we can all see that's tangible, that hits and ticks the boxes so that we all feel that we're in a progressive, creative environment and really get us on a path for the next three, five, ten years. The next ten years, if it means in, in Singapore, 
really taking it, you know, doubling it to the size that we want it to be. So what is it you think is going to differentiate you to get there? Um, I think a key part of it very much is the learning and development piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that it, it's critical um, for yeah. the reasons that I've touched yeah. on. Um, yeah. I've, I've hired a very capable individual that, that um, has been with the business for a week and I'm, I'm very excited to work with and really enjoying that. Um, I can see how he is going to add so much value to what we're trying to do. Oh. Um, that, that is part of it, but it's, it's, it's really then about, I guess, not hiding from who we are. You know, there's no doubt in recruitment in, in this market, it's a challenge to get good people. And we get a lot of candidates that I interview and their opening line is, I don't want a KPI environment. I'm moving from this environment because they, they focus on KPI. Yeah, forget recruitment then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, maybe a few years back, it, you'd, you'd think that, well, you've got to try and get these. You're under pressure to build your head mm. Let's just get these people. Mm. Then you're not really being fair to them. So it's, for me, all of this is about getting a vision of what we could be, 50%. The rest of it's come from the people that we want. We're totally open about how it's going to be, what it's going to look like. We're going to work. We're going to breed the right culture as an organization. You know, I want to breed Eames individuals, people that recognize what we're about and what we're trying to do. Now, can you change what recruitment is at the essence? Not really. You can't. Um, no. It's about relationships. We just no. have to strive to be positioned where we have the strongest relationships. We have the most open relationships. And how do you achieve that? How are you looking to achieve that? I know it's an L&D piece, but what is it that you're driving through that L&D piece to create an environment where consultants... You know, it is. You listen to your market. Simple. It's, it's, it really is. You know, I'd love to say there's some complex way around yeah. But your source of information are your candidates. They're your clients. They're your colleagues. Mm. You know, our jobs are to get out there and find that and, and, and know what's going on. If you want to be an expert in something, well, you should damn well know that market inside and out. But do, but do you feel, I mean, I'm not talking from an Eames perspective so much. I'm just talking just in terms of the, how the market shifted in the last few years. And I know it comes up a lot on my on these podcasts. It's just there is sometimes that real reluctance for people to just get on the phone and talk to candidates. They don't always feel that they've got to, you know, they feel they've got to have a job to talk to them about. So this whole listening to the market and gathering information and being honest enough to say, like, I don't have a role for you, but I am here to track your career. Is this, you know, do you sort of see that reluctance sometimes to just want to be able to hear about what's going in the market and collecting that information? Again, and I think that all rolls back into some of the points we've talked about and, and aspects from a learning development perspective. I think, you know, everybody needs to know a reason why they're doing it. In our industry, unfortunately, you know, a default button for, for many people can be go make 60 calls. Yeah. Not go make 60 calls for these reasons and let's look at the benefit that can come out of the back of it and the information mm. you've got and how you would use it. Mm. And I think that's where some of the reluctance has come from. It's a, it's a command without any, any reasoning behind it or with any basis for what it's trying to achieve and fundamentally comes back to a, to a training issue at the beginning yeah. where they don't really see the benefit and that understanding of it. It's very easy to hide behind our phones and emails these days um, because it's a people don't want rejection and you know so we, we do try and we are starting to work very closely with our consultants on, on what they're trying to do the purpose of those okay. phones. 
Yeah. What value? I think it all comes down to value. My big thing, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm building out a load of online courses at the moment. And one thing I've been doing the last few days is on the, that whole call reluctance. And I really just, I think it always comes back to value is I think sometimes recruitment consultants, you know, think it's a dirty word. I think their role is sometimes a bit of a dirty word. And I think you've got to value what you do and the um, the service that you provide. And if you can stand tall with that, um, then, you know, you'll you'll approach objections very, very differently. You'll approach them with questions. Yeah, yeah. You'll challenge them and you'll be comfortable with it as an object, as, as an obstacle, as opposed to, you know, it's a rejection. It's just taking a different mindset. So if you've got, but if you've got the confidence, you know, and you've got that credibility, to yeah. talking to those people. So there's the skill. I mean, there's the trick. It's how do we build that confidence? How do we build yeah. that credibility? Absolutely. We have that. Then, you know, people will go out to market and they will have those discussions. I'm I'm keen to know, I'm, I'm keen to talk to you about sort of that whole, you know, the way the market is at the moment. Obviously, you know, it's going to be so critical for firms to be retaining their top talent um, as I appreciate people that aren't necessarily making money there's going to be changes in organizations and um, even more so in this market how are you going about trying to retain your top talent the ones that are putting numbers on the board <laughs> again it's a lot going back into what we've just dis discussed it's it's being very clear about what we want to achieve it's you know really showing that there is runway for individuals when they come into the business. Okay, even in a crap market? Yeah, well, it's gonna change. I mean, it's cyclic, you know, it's it, this, this industry, there's, this isn't mm -hmm. gonna be the last time that people mm -hmm. go through it. Um, kind of look at my age and hope that this is the last time that I go through it. Cause, yeah, I don't think it will be. <laughs> I don't think it will. Yeah, I'll still yeah. be in recruitment in 10 years. <laughs> But it's, it's just making sure we don't lose sight of it. I mean, you know, I think I've always had a view with recruitment as a, as, as a job for me, and when I talk to clients, or I talk mm. to clients, our jobs in many respects are we're storytellers. You know, we are taking a client's proposition to candidates, we are explaining how that candidate can see themselves in a job, how they mm. see their career, how they can see their roles evolving, you know, and not have to be in a position where they're moving every couple of years. Now, you have to bring that internally. So it's about, as I said, you know, focus on what they want to achieve in their life. You know, what are mm. their life goals? And let's build on those skills. Mm. Let's have plans in place. Now, you know, we may not ever achieve some of the things that I'd like to achieve, but we've got to work towards those because it's exciting. It shows that we're trying to, to think outside the box. Yeah. Well, so the reason I raised that question is that there are going to be top performers sitting in recruitment firms that are still making great money, but aren't necessarily going to be able to see their career path as clear um, because organizations are looking at the bottom line, um, even though they may be a top performer. So I, I suppose I'm just sort of keen to see, does it shift? Do, 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 do personal development plans go out the window? Do promotions go out the window um, to, to ensure that organizations stay afloat? Um. We, you know, we, we've obviously had to look at what we're doing um, quite closely. I think we've, we've, we have made some changes globally. Right. Um, you know, not, not really an easy time for those things to happen, but they mm -hmm. were obviously done with the best interests of the, of, of the business at heart. Yeah. We acted swiftly, um, very much so that we were in a position so that we don't have to make further deeper cuts further down the line. You know, right. I think that that's the, the, the view. And... And, you know, if, if we look specifically at the Singapore business, we are, you know, we, we hope from, from May the 1st that we'll have our first academy, if you like, or team of juniors coming into the business. So 
you know, we've got to continue doing that. I mean, I think okay. if you lose sight of those things that drive and it just becomes a, a job of going through that yeah because when that market turns you're 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 in trouble uh, i just i mean it, it goes from a personal perspective recruitment is an industry and as, again this is a personal belief i don't think this mm. is a statement is that after a certain time in doing this job some of actually the core aspects of it you should be able to do with your eyes closed because you know sourcing interviewing yeah. Yeah. writing up a CV, talking yeah. to a client, taking the jobs back. So you have to find things that drive you, that will push you to keep that level of interest and keep that interest. Now, as a, you know, from a tech recruiter, brilliant. That market changes overnight, so you keep up with the latest technologies. It's about learning, it's about developing, and it's about adding more skills to you that are slightly outside of recruitment. And I think that's the most important part is that Anybody, even when they're successful, can fall into the trap of going through the motions. Um, I think we can overcomplicate what we do sometimes. And we think, right, there's got to be some really clever way about going about this job. And actually, if you still just spoke to those people, you'd probably be better off than you are now. Yeah. So you have people in, in businesses that might be successful and, and, and billers, but they don't know why they're doing it, the purpose for them doing recruitment, and they've lost that. They'll, that's a, that's a worry, you know, and what you then have to make sure is that your employees know why they're in recruitment. What are they trying to do? What is it the vehicle for? Um, because then you have something to work with because you can't, you can, you can get people making money in this industry by going through the motions. Yeah. But you could during a busy time. Um, they're probably not going to be in their recruitment their whole life and they won't push themselves. This is an industry where you can become very successful mm. by agree really pushing yourself to mm. it's not doing anything difficult it's doing the regular things consistently. Yeah. i think that's the word isn't it? it it's it's consistency yeah it's consistency but i also think it's um it is that whole relationship side i mean i, I imagine you guys are on the phone to clients and hearing their pain points points at the moment right in terms of what's going on it's not all about I always try and get it that the recruiters get them to see what the clients must be going through. Um, it's an opportunity to be building some great relationships because they're probably extremely concerned, right? They're 100%, running you know, and, and, and we've got to be there for that. You know, I, yeah. I've always, again, you know, it's just beliefs and thinking over the years. But you know, people talk about cold calling and you know, business development. It's mm. like, what is that? I mean, that has evolved. It shouldn't be. You're not. If you're calling something because you want something for yourself, yeah. chances are it's not going to go very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you should be calling is because you want to share. You're there as the professional. All of the other bits will fall into place further down yeah. the line. Yeah. You're building a relationship because you want to introduce your services, benefit that that can be to your client, mm. uh, the information that you can share with them. It's not like, yeah, ultimately, yes, you, know, you are looking to build a relationship so you can help and advise them work with them so that you can work jobs I mean, yeah that, that yeah. is part and parcel of what we do yeah but as you say the relationship is so critical that it's it's about looking at more ways where you can add value to what they're doing you know companies might be thinking why well, we're going to have to make some cuts you want to be there yeah. advising them what yeah. other people are doing you know what can you do do you want us to come in and talk to your candidates to your employees do you yeah. want to us to share some thoughts and some ideas. You don't do that for a bonus. Yeah, it's been there. 
it's really being there, isn't there? It's the same as yourself as a leader with the people that you've got within your own business, just being there. I want to move us on to um, that the company's gone through a little bit of change. At the beginning of the podcast, we talked, we sort of touched upon briefly that there was a few little um, sort of minor changes or transformation within the business. So um, I was just really keen to know what that looked like. Can you share with me a little bit more about, you know, about that transformation? Yeah, so I think one thing that we've been very sensible about as, as an organization is that, that each office does not have to be a replica of the next office. Okay. Um, you know, each is, yeah, each, each office is, is slightly different. The markets are slightly different. And whilst we have lots of similarities and core areas, you do, you know, there's no point building a desk if it doesn't exist in that country. Yeah. Setting somebody up to fail, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And about probably two, two and a half years ago, um, it was very apparent that the landscape in, in Singapore was changing. You know, we only had to look at the, the government's investment was going to be within the digital world. There was talk right. about Singapore being you know, the Silicon Valley of the East. It was very mm. much a, a changing landscape. Mm. If you look where all the incubators come from and the investment into new and emerging technologies, very much for Asia, that's out of Singapore with the with the offices and the, the, yeah. the actual nuts and bolts of them existing in, in, in different offices around around the region. So, you know, we had to look at what was insurance, banking, professional services and say, well, some of those aspects of those businesses are moving offshore. Um, some of them are quietly yeah. down. You know, governance is, is is probably not what it was five years ago. So right, right. Uh, there is that will cycle, and ev- everything does fall into mm. those cycles. So, you know, where do we wish to push our business? And for the first time, you know, we put the plans in place to then move uh, our investment into technology, and really then start to focus on emerging tech, to focus into the commercial world, and and leverage then from those commercial clients back into our core markets that we were doing within banking and insurance. Right, okay. So you weren't necessarily big on the commerce side before then. You were mainly predominantly, wow, okay. So that's a major shift. So it was to get that thinking happening. And now from a global perspective, you know, technology is very much part and parcel of what we need to do as an organization. Last year, our tech business was 50% of, of what we do here. Well, so it really shifted. Have you had to hire new people into that or did you upskill and move people across? It's a, a blend of both from right. the existing tech team that we've had and uh, you know, and hiring in some skills and experience. Um, you know, it's, it's an area that's close to my heart. That's the bit that I, I love. Yeah, that's I yeah. right. Okay. So it fed your passion for it yeah. yeah exactly and you know absolutely love love being involved but what i do enjoy is that the the two guys that i've got running uh, those teams and that, those divisions you know they get on and do it and i don't necessarily have to be on their case uh, as to terms of what they're doing they, they've got a lot of passion they're building very very strong teams you know we've, we've hit a point where competitors are coming what have you done over the past 12 months because we're hearing more and more and more about your name wow that's awesome we don't see, um, I'm not a person that, that smashes loads of stuff out there on the internet and have to advertise and we're always, you know, eames, eames, eames. Yeah, no, you don't. You're, you're, you're pretty quiet on that. Uh, you know, my, re- my reward is that. Feedback mm. from clients, feedback yeah. from candidates, feedback from competitors saying, what are you guys up to? Because your name comes up all the time. That's the best feedback that I can ever get. And, uh, 
you know, it's been, it's been a great journey for us. We'll continue to invest in those markets and, and, and we continue to grow. How did you manage to convince head office that that was a move that you wanted to make and, and to be able to get that over the line? I, th- I think, thankfully, I'm in a very lucky position to, to, to work for two um, slightly different individuals, which is great because it gives me you know, a very different approach under Matthew Eames mm-hmm. and Guy Gay. Um, obviously, Guy's got a lot of experience from, from Asia in his time here. Right. And, you know, but their view is, you know, I get paid to do my job here and it's my business here. You know, you've got to stand by what you believe in and the decisions that Trust you want to make. And, and that's why you employ you. You know, if you feel that is the right route and you, you're committed to doing it, well, go do it. And, you know, that trickles on again to that entrepreneurial comment I made earlier on today. You know, that's the type of people we want in the business that go, hey, look, there's a market there. Should yeah. we go into this? Can we create an opportunity? How would we no. go about it? I want to build something. And you go, here you go. Let's go do that. Now, some would argue that obviously other recruitment firms have been in that commerce space for a long time. So two questions. One, how did you shift and sort of go about learning that commerce market is different from financial services? Um, And how are you going to um, be able to keep up and accelerate against those competitors that have been in it for decades? Thankfully, the, the tech market hasn't changed really much in 23 years that if you've got a good developer... Everybody wants to hire them or a good software engineer. Yeah, so, so there's a need there. Mm-hmm. Know your market, know your candidates, know who the right people are in that market. And, you know, if you do know who those individuals are, you've got access to people that other individuals haven't, you know, that aren't readily available on LinkedIn, e-financial careers. It's, the skills are transferable, and that's the whole point. Is, you know, anybody that's a software engineer in a bank can be very yeah. good with pharmaceutical organization yeah. there's, there's no there's no difference it's down to the technology um, mm. it's down to the skill that they have and let's keep focusing on that and just being good at it you know being out there in that market talking about the changes that are happening um luke who we luke Eels, who we brought into who runs that, that development okay. for me okay. um and devops there you know that is his background he had been doing uh, you know he's got a good relationships across the market so that's right. right so you hired someone with that network to come in and build? Uh, not, 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 not just really about that because people have moved into those from our relationships in banks. So, you know, we've, we've kind of expanded our network by people we know. We've stayed close to them. We've done a good job for them. You've watched what they're doing. You've advised mm. them on their move even when you weren't involved in them. Mm. You weren't the agency representing them. Got it. Post, they're going to come to you. And, you know, again, relationships, having that opportunity. So somebody's building something out, you can talk to them, tell them that, you know, we're here, this is what we do now, we are involved in those markets, this is our portfolio of candidates and people, they're going to want to work with you. Yeah. Well, it was a good idea that you did move into that area, considering what's going on in the world. It's kind of like, oh, for you, at least there's a bigger there's a bigger market out there for you guys to get. Yeah, get your hands I mean, on. there is. It doesn't mean that we're going to neglect our more, you know, our traditional markets. Yeah. We still will see investment in our private banking front office team. We will still invest, um, you know, our broking and underwriting division. That will that will continue, um, but you know, we we can't hide from the fact that the the most robust, if you like, and the, the, the market that is going to be around probably for the longest. Yeah, some areas of it will drop and, and grow, yeah. but there is always going to be need. And as if, if this region continues to 
to have startups and those organizations yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm going to finish with one last question um very much focus on the, the kind of recruitment leader of the future. You know, we know that leaders should be prepared to continuously evolve. What two areas do you feel you need to continually develop to ensure you stay ahead of the competition and continue to lead a successful business, particularly during these times? Um, don't manage through numbers purely. I think that, you know, I've, I, I look back on, on managers over the years and, and people that I've worked with, I've worked with some some amazing people, even that, that would be focused just purely on the number side of yeah. things. But I think what I mean more by that is is don't lose the emotional aspect of it. You know, your your, your employees are people. You want them mm. to go into the market dealing and talking with people. Mm. Don't get into a point where you just come about focus on numbers, 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 yeah. because you're going to create yeah. the atmosphere. Behaviors will change. People will be looking at their next deal tomorrow and I've got an urgency to get a deal in and not thinking about longer term planning and feeling yeah. the deal cycle um, and feeling that life cycle come through. I think that's very important. Yeah, I think that's um, great. Be open to changes. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think if I, if I looked at myself a couple of years ago, I would put myself in that bracket of this isn't like the old days. You know, when I got into recruitment, this is how you did um, and that still exists. There are a lot of recruitment leaders that will not be switched off from how it was for them 20 years ago. Mm. And there's a lot of good stuff that came from that. It was still relationship driven. It was still about doing the right job and the best job. But people are different now. I mean, sourcing is different. We have people, you know, when I got into this industry to show my age, you literally, all you probably had to do was get the switchboard number change the last number on the DDI. Yes. If you knew they had 100, there's 100 people, yeah. work your way around the business, yeah. find the person that you wanted, happy days. Yeah. Now, contact, you know, a million and one email addresses, social media, yeah. LinkedIn, sourcing is different. And yeah, it is. It's not easy to find the person. Mm. If you think it's exactly the same, then you're going to fail. So yeah. I guess it's, you know, take the best as it used to be, foundation mm. of what it was that you do need to talk to people you do need to be out there you yeah yeah try to and and then enhance what you're trying to do now with new employees and people coming into the business to, to listen to their ideas and not go you don't know how easy you've got it now well they don't it's, it's not easy because it's different this is a different world that we're dealing and if you're not open to those ideas if you're not open to suggestions, mm. you're just going to become a very vanilla manager. Yeah. You're going to be very much painting by numbers. You're just going to yeah. be driving people in a certain way and you're going to have an extremely hard time. I love it. You heard it here first. So thank you, Dan, for an awesome podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Good luck with the next few months. It sounds like you're on a bit of a winning streak in regards to moving into different areas. Um, and everyone listening, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, stay safe, everybody, and good luck for the year ahead. Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.